And so here's where I was this week. Ephesians chapter 6. You know, and for those of us who are here, we're like, oh, armor of God, right? It's armor of God. And I'm like, yeah, it's armor of God. Oh, and it was good. But God stopped me. And a couple of weeks ago, we were sharing about Samson. It's wild because I wanted this armor of God thing. But there is one verse in regard to Samson that God took me to. And I had to read it a couple of times because I'm thinking, really, God, you know, is this, is this the verse? And it was the verse. It's from Judges chapter 13, verse 25. This is in reference to Samson when he was young. This is before he did any of the heroic exploits that we read about. This is before he was this hero, this super strong. This is the first time that we're reading about God's spirit stirring in him. And it interests me. Because I always wonder, like, how do these things start? The Bible says that the spirit of the Lord began to move upon Samson. But there's a second part to that verse. And this is the one I had to read a couple of times. I had to sound out a couple of things, if you will. Samson, when he was born, was under this Nazarite vow. He was to walk according to that all the days of his life. There was no wiggle room in that. He was supposed to do exactly as it's said to do. You find him here and the Spirit's moving on him. And the second part of that verse in Judges 13.25 says, at Mahana Dan between Zora and Eshtael. And you're like, yeah, of course. Well, that makes perfect sense, right? That's the part where I'm reading. And, and no, and so I'm reading this and I'm like, wow. Like, this is what arrest, this, this. Like, I don't know what to do, God. Kind of freaking out here. But another translation says, the spirit of the Lord began to move upon him at times in the camp of Dan. So to set this up geographically, here's where we are. It means that he is in a place between the spot where he was born and the spot where the enemy was camped out. That is where this camp occurred. And it was made famous when you read about the history of it because there were 600 marauders of Dan, they call that. I love that because I just picture pirates or something. 600 marauders of Dan. And they would camp there and then they would set out to take territory. And so this place had a reputation. It was known for spiritual warriors because at that time when God's people were doing right, they were about two things. And the first thing was listening to God when they were doing right. And the second thing was being prepared for battle because they were going to be taking the territory that God told them they would. Right. So when they were there, this spot, it has significance. And so this is a place where you can imagine that they would be training for battle. They would be laying out the plans. They was moving upon Samson. And some people would say, because this is when he's young, why in the world would you ever allow a young person to be in such a dangerous place? Our kids are so close to the front lines every single day. You know, we often say things are different than when I was young, you think. Here's a thing, and I'm just going to be real. Our kids do not have the same luxury that we do to boycott when things get hard. 
They can't boycott school because they'll be truant. The world that they're in and the culture that they're up against is a front line every single day. And here's where God checks me because, see, I am 50 years old. And some of you may be like, well, that's just a baby. And some of you may be like, that's old. But I have points of reference in my walk that someone who's younger may not have, right? And so I can't expect a young person to have all the points of reference that I do. But I know that God is at work, and I know that we as a church have been called to train them in the way that they should go. I know that there's a battle that's raging, but the question I would ask, do they know how to fight and how to stand? If there's a true statement about this generation, it's this. They are tired of hearing us as a church talk. They're tired of this. They want to see action. The Bible says that the Spirit began to move him. When you look at the meaning of those words, it means to stir him with trouble. In another sense, it means to grieve him. And so here he is in this spot, and God's people, the Philistines, have come up against them. And you can imagine that his heart is being stirred and God is speaking to him and he's speaking destiny. And these whispers are coming and you have this young man wondering, what does this all mean? This is where so many of ours are today. God is saying things. God is speaking to them. They're trying to put all the pieces together. Are we serving them well as a church? But what's wild about it is so many times we can be in the same spot. We aren't where we started. There's an enemy. We're here in this fortified place where we have the ability to train, where we have the ability to sharpen, where we have the ability to put together the plans, but we can't do it all here. It has to go outside of here. One day, oh, this is tough. One day, some of our kids are going to leave the camp. Now, I don't mean the walk away from Jesus talk. What I mean is God's going to call them to a place that's not 8250 Garfield Road. That's tough. Dina's thinking right now, no, Ruthie's not going. That's what she's thinking. Right now, we're squarely between two different worlds. Our expectation when it comes to our kids is for them to fight the good fight of faith, as it says in 1 Timothy 6. We do our best with them to put armor on them. Because that's what the Bible says. We're supposed to, you know, equip them. We're supposed to do these things. But so many times I feel like we're missing something. And one of the important things when it comes to this church, and what I always say to people is know your why. Know why we do what we do. Be willing to question why you're doing what you're doing. And is it the God's step? And here's a question for us as the church. Are the young people in our church seeing us putting on the armor of God on a daily basis? Does it seem normal to them that this is just the way you get ready for the day? Are we preparing them for the spiritual fight the way that we should be? Here's the verse that I'm reminded of, and this is the way that as a pastor I feel sometimes. It says in 1 Samuel 17, 38, that Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a bronze helmet on David's head, and he clothed David with a coat of mail. David strapped Saul's sword over the armor. So you have 
this king with the finest armor, with this young man. And in this moment, it makes perfect sense, right? And he's putting this armor on him. And David, even he tries to put the sword where the sword's supposed to go. But in verse 39, it says, and David tried in vain to walk for he was not used to them. Then David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these for I'm not used to them. And I feel like so many times in the church that we do what we think we're supposed to do. And then we get the kids to a certain point and we're like, what do you mean you can't walk in them? What do you mean? I took you to youth group once a month. You were in Life Kids for an hour and a half, so many weeks. What do you mean you can't walk in these? You've heard me talk about the armor. You've heard me reference it here and there. What do you mean you can't walk? But are they accustomed to seeing us, to hearing us walking around in it? On a deeper level. Do they see us coming in with the armor on after a fight? Have they seen the dents that are in the armor? Have they seen the blood on the armor? Or is the armor something simply that we put in the back of a closet like a nativity set that we're going to pull out once a year? And I feel like maybe we've sold our young people short when it comes to the battle. Because maybe in our spiritual nature, we've been so protective that we have ignored the fact that maybe they were put here to battle beside us. But what's wild about it is I feel like we miss what comes before the armor. In Ephesians 6.10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Are we talking or are we demonstrating? You know, you have people who can talk a big game, and spiritually, we come to this point where we're kind of like the spiritual Uncle Rico talking about how we can throw a football over them, their mountains, but the kids never see us do anything. And I'm thinking, we've got to get in there because that's what guides them, and that's what they'll look at. Because when I was a kid, you could read me 12 books about something, or you could show me twice. I want to be showing them. We talk about God, but do they know what to do with the words that we're using? David, he would go into that battle with a sling. He wouldn't be wearing that armor. But later in life, when David would become king, David would be battling with a sword, and David at some point would be putting on armor. But that wasn't the time for the armor. Craig, if you're in here, can you go and... Uh... I'm pretty subtle like that. That was, you guys didn't hear that. It was just me and Craig. So I like the smell of gunpowder. I own a shotgun or a few, and I, I'm about that. And when my son was young, I thought, wouldn't it be great as he gets older if he would also enjoy shooting? And so I knew when he was a young boy that you don't put a 12-gauge in a young boy's hand because that would be dangerous for him and for me. 
And so one Christmas, what we did is we bought him a Red Rider because like there's not a movie about how bad that can go, right? So we bought him a Red Rider and it was great because you could teach him all these things and his learning came through shooting Diet Coke cans in the backyard with a BB gun. And it's almost like God's just trying to say to us that you can't rush straight to the armor. You can't rush, but I'm going to give you steps on how to train them. And if you will listen, you will know. It is our job to guide, to equip, to model, and to encourage. I sent Craig out for a reason. I like Craig. It's not in cinema because I don't like him. So yesterday, something happened. We were doing serve day. Prior to serve day, and as they're on their way there, I was talking with Craig, and there was someone that God said, turn around, turn around. You're supposed to go back to him. So Craig went back, encouraged someone, and blessed someone. He goes to get in the car, and Winston... Winston says, I'm supposed to give him my Bible. So he takes his personal Bible and jumps out and gives it to this lady. And as I'm standing at that serve day, God just squares me up. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to be obedient. And so when God tells you to do something, you do it, right? Buddy. So this is one that they gave me when I became a reverend. And I just want to pray with you because this is going to be yours. But I'm going to pray that every time God tells you, go back. Talk to them. You may give away a hundred Bibles in your lifetime, and that's okay. But church, let's just pray over him right now. Because see, this is what it's about in the equipping. This is what it's about in the encouraging, that when God speaks, you listen. Let's pray right now. Father, in your name, what I speak is that you would just make your voice so clear. Father, I pray that in this moment that you would begin to whisper to his heart, and every time he hears, I pray he will do just as he did yesterday. This is a heart for you, Lord, and thank you for what he does, and thank you for the way it inspires us. In Jesus' name, amen. So here's the deal. Steve Jobs, weird transition, whenever he would be doing a keynote, which would be, you know, his address to highlight whatever was coming out with Apple that would change the world, he would always end his keynote with this, that wording, one more thing. And what's wild is whatever the one more thing was, was the huge thing. 
And so during these things, this is where the iPod dropped. This is where the iPhone dropped. This is where the iPad dropped. Like everything that changed, all the technology we know, it would drop like that. And he'd be like, one more thing. And so Paul, he says this word in 610 right there. He says, finally, finally. And when you look at the meaning of that word, it's something that remains. And I say that to us as a church because for some of you, there have been heartbreaks. For some of you, there have been blessings. There have been instances of God's faithfulness, but something remains. So through the heartbreak, that's not where you stay. Through the blessing, that wasn't your last blessing that God's going to give. Through every prayer, through every step, here you are. God was there, God is there, and God's going to remain faithful. We do our best when it comes to shielding our kids, but maybe they are the key to winning the spiritual battles that God is going to take us through. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord, in the power of his might. Before you suit up, be strong in the Lord. When you look at the meaning of be strong, it's to empower yourself in the Lord, to strengthen yourself in the Lord. When it comes to football, right there, I remember I had this neighbor, and my neighbor, he was a Riverside Beaver, and he came home in the summer, and they gave him a new jersey. They gave him all the pads. They gave him all this stuff, and he came home that first meeting, and he was a football player. My neighbor did not like the conditioning. My neighbor did not adhere to things, none of that. And so when it came to the first game, he got flattened, flattened. And so this is kind of how it is with the spiritual armor. Like you can put something on, but if you are not empowering, if you're not training, oh, it's vital. Both of these are vital. You can take a weak man and put the best armor on him, but he could still be beaten. One of the greatest things that that word empowered, I couldn't help but think of Arnold Schwarzenegger, right? I mean, look at this picture. This is Arnold. This isn't me. And this, what's crazy about this is like the more he lifted, the bigger his muscles got, and it took more weight. Like he, it was just this cycle, right? And the crazy thing. So I hear is when you work out on a regular basis, you want to do it more. And in a spiritual sense, this is how it works. Like the more that you are empowered in God, the more that you'll be lifting, the more you'll be pushing, and the more that the cycle will come around. And it's not going to strain you. It's going to be something that you start to even enjoy in taking territory for God. The spiritual growth, it's not for show. It's not for flexing. It's not for us just to be in the camp and make a bunch of noise. I remember a couple months ago that our electricity went out and it was in the winter. And I remember the car was in the garage. And you know, we have a garage door opener. Even in Leroy, we have such efficiencies and luxuries. And so I go out and the, it wouldn't open, right? And so there's that handle. And so I reach up, all my might, pull, and the handle doesn't come down. And I go, this isn't good. Because Dina's like, just go open the door. I'm like, yeah, I got that. And I'm thinking, what kind of madness? Like, why is this not opening? And so I, long story short, I got a stepladder and did like a Tarzan swing on this thing. And finally it came open. 
because there was a desperation that the electricity was off. It was winter and I was not staying in my house. I was going to go somewhere warm. And I think in the same way spiritually that we need to come to the point where are you going to stay trapped where you are or are you going to grab on to the God promise and swing on that to get to the place that you need to be? I was not staying in that house. I imagine this with Saul, though. Imagine that Saul would have felt pretty good if David would have worn that armor, even though he would have dragged it out there and beat Goliath with that armor on, right? And Saul would have been tempted to think, well, it's because of either A, the armor would just had my strength in it, or he felt so confident because of my armor. And that's where God's checking me. He's saying, come alongside them. Do they even want your armor? I mean, half of them are bigger than me. My armor wouldn't even fit them. This story doesn't even work like that in this church. God is leading in purpose. It might feel like you are in no man's land. It might feel like you are far from home. The enemy might be within sight, but the best way for us to train is to demonstrate and demonstrate and demonstrate. The best way to impart values is through consistency. And when it comes to purpose, the children who have been entrusted to us, we cannot make the spirit move. I can't twist God's arm. But what I can do is I can position myself. I can position our children to be in the direct line of God's blessing. And you know that this is truth. When you walk according to his promises, the blessing's gonna rain down. I want to walk beside those kids as that blessing falls. We can walk in the authority that Jesus has given us, and we can teach them to walk in authority. We can move forward in confidence even when we're not feeling confident because it's about God. We can move forward in mission because he's the one from the beginning that wrote that plan down. In closing, someone is going to train our children. Someone is going to define God for our children. It is either going to be the church or it's going to be the world. Someone will give them a mission. I want it to be from here. You have been commissioned and you have been entrusted. The time is short. Romans 5.20 says this. Where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. The Bible says there's nothing new under the sun, but it is a crazy world that we're in. The intensity of things that aren't new, it is out there. But I believe that God's grace is just as strong as it has ever been. I believe that the heart of our children hear God's voice so clearly. And just as you saw, they listen and they go, God, make me like that. Make me like that. And I close on this thought because I feel like when I was praying, God put it on my heart. And I'll just speak it. I'll make a declaration that the young people of this church are going to walk 
in exponential grace. That they will come up against walls that neither you or I could imagine. But because they listen to the voice of Jesus Christ, they will walk around those walls until those walls fall flat. That there is no devil in hell that will steal that much of the destiny that has been spoken over them. I say it in faith. If you will stand, what I want to do right now is I just want to pray over our kids. I want to encourage you as a parent that today is a good day to start fresh. Whether your babies are six years old or 36 years old. But right now, we just need to cover that. You bow your heads. Father, I pray right now that you, Lord, would remind us of the charge, that you would remind us how honored we are to be in the presence of these young men and women that you created for your purpose. And Father, I pray that every classroom in this place, that the angels would surround those classrooms, God. I pray that callings would begin to be heard. I pray just like Samson, that there would be a stirring on them that they may not understand totally, but they'll know it's your voice. And God, I pray that as we go forward, that we look beside us and they are right there. Because the land that is going to be taken is not adults only. In the name of Jesus, I speak it. Amen.